Today, documentary films are experiencing a major renaissance, and for good reason. But why are audiences increasingly choosing fact over fiction? Is it a dearth of realism, like endless comic book sequels and end-of-the-world action movies? Are viewers choosing authentic storytelling over spectacular visuals and far-fetched plots? Or maybe it's because docs f***ing rule. Hi, I'm Paco Romain. And I'm George Chen. And we host SupDoc. We didn't go to film school. We're just two comedians that dork out on docs. And since 2015, we've been recapping amazing documentaries with comedians, actors, and filmmakers like legendary comedians Dana Gould and Todd Glass. Musicians like Yacht and Dan Deacon. And even media stars like Jesse Thorne and Francesca Fiorentini. The AV Club called us enlightening, and Boing Boing said SupDoc is a great idea for a podcast. So find us wherever you get your podcasts or join us at SupDocPodcast.com. And follow us on social media at Subdoc Podcast. In Southern California, just outside Hollywood, there is a most unusual hotel. A hotel dedicated to the golden age of cinema and the departures of its most influential and notorious players. It is a destination that spotlights the manners in which these men and women of Hollywood perished. From the midtown poisoning of musician and composer Bob Graves, to the suicide of actress Kitty Price at the Waterbury in Massachusetts. The rooms are decorated with an array of evidence and clues unique to each death, and fitted with a cast of department store mannequins which stand in for those involved. Welcome to the Swan Hotel. Room 219, a model of the luxurious Taft Hotel in downtown LA, and the recreation of a scene newspapers called Ghastly and Horrid, and the makings of nightmares. From the shattered window to the blood-splattered autumnscapes, terror wrapped in a bow and delivered care of the swan. The year is 1955, and Fleming Meyer Studios is prepping for the release of their tentpole feature, Through the Fingers of Glory, a war picture directed by the legendary Curtis Ellington. From day one of filming, the buzz of Mr. Ellington's young and alluring female lead spread from every department on the lot. The screening room was teeming with men from executives to riggers gaping and gawking at the dailies of this unknown beauty. Her name was Deborah Fairfield and her virgin face and peerless elegance were the makings of a star. A star that seemed to shine brighter with every flicker of light through the projector. The relationship between Mr. Ellington and Mrs. Fairfield was something to admire. Their respect for one another's talent grew immensely, bridging their age gap on a personal level. And it wasn't long after that the offset relationship of this illustrious director and did I forget married starlet became amorous. Oh, oh. oh you were magnificent today. 
<laughs> so are you. You certainly captured the vehemence and zeal I was hoping for. Well, I had the right kind of direction. Yeah? Yeah. The bed's all must. Think we should straighten it out? We wouldn't want to give the maid service the wrong impression. I wouldn't worry too much. A place like this doesn't concern itself with those sort of matters. Two people check into a hotel room in the middle of the day and everybody concerns themselves. Especially when it's a pretty girl and a dashing man. Well then it's a good thing we came up separately. Yes, it is. A place like this. I hate meeting you in a place like this. You're worthy of satin and caviar, not polyester and egg salad. But I like egg salad. And bottles of pop. And a baseball game on a steamy day. And polyester scratches a certain long-burning itch. Where's your stop, brown eyes? How far does this line take me? As far as you'd like. That sounds good. But you'll need a ticket. Where can I get one? The courthouse. <laughs> the courthouse? Yeah. Outside of town? Quiet place where people keep to themselves? Here, third and spring. Big place. Lot of foot traffic. Can my husband come? Sure. We'll need a witness. And suppose I stay on without a ticket. What then? You throw me off? You? Never. Though some people might frown upon that sort of thing, might not see it as civil. And how do you see it? Me? I just drive the bus. Then I'm in good hands, huh? Very steady. I feel cooped up. What do you say we throw these sandwiches in the wastebasket and go get ourselves a couple of nice, big, juicy steaks? <laughs> Aren't you afraid someone will see us? All right, we'll buy them a steak, too. Curtis, we agreed. I know, I know. We were going to wait until after the premiere. I know, I know. Think of your career. The picture. My career. Most of the careers in this town were made in rooms like this. Curtis... And whether you know it or not, audience these days view a liaison of this sort as glamorous. To the victor goes the spoils. And what are your spoils? An old and rusty washer I wear on my finger occasionally? No. The finger. Love triumphs, remember? But I understand. No sense in putting ourselves in jeopardy before the picture comes out. And after the release... We grab those steaks and roll out the satin. And uncap a couple of sodas on the third baseline. And a couple of francs. Uh-huh. And pimento cheese sandwiches. Yuck. What's this on your arm? He put his hand on you again, didn't he? Curtis. Yeah. Ilsa said you told her not to mention your eye to me. I didn't want to disconcert you. You tell makeup to hide his, his, his marks of affection. And that tells me you don't trust me. Which is far more disconcerting. I didn't want to make a fuss. A fuss? Disrupt filming. You and George have been so wonderful to me, and I didn't want to play havoc with the production. 
or your attention. The battle between your head and heart, Deborah, is losing the war for your well-being. He didn't mean to. Why do you defend him? It wasn't easy over there. Taking a sock at you is a sorry excuse for coping. Listen, I didn't want to bring this up, unless I thought it absolutely necessary. There are these guys that could talk to him. Talk? Yeah. What do you mean? What do I mean? Deborah, sweetheart, what do you think I'm coming to you here with? You don't mean... <laughs> Curtis, you're starting to sound like one of your movies. Well, I can't just sit here idle. He'll stop. And I'll leave. I promise. I just hope you can leave before he stops. Don't talk like that. I'm sorry, Deborah. I just don't understand. I know you don't. Where is he, anyways? I'm sure he's drowning his beak at the watering hole. Let's just hope that little birdie can't swim. With mind and body still one foot in the jungle, Deborah's husband spent his afternoons at a crummy dive bar on Mateo, spilling his sorrows onto anyone that would listen. She carries on behind my back, you know. <laughs> of course, I did it to myself, marrying an actress. She's a flighty type, you know, skittish. Can't trust any of them. I've had four myself, and they're all the same. What you need is a lesson in curb kicking, my friend. Lay down the law, and either they follow it, or it's the expressway with them. Listen, I don't mean to pry. I'm just a daytime soak with a kind face looking to help out a fella. Like I said, I've been there. I know what you're going through. Carl Janis, put it there. Roy Fairfield. So you got a picture of this little vixen? I'd love to see the pistol that's got you so whipped. Yeah, I, I might, might have something around here. Here. Ouch. That is a crying shame right there, friend. This little mama's got class. That's a real dish. Yes, sir. That's some candy with a capital K. Give me that. You know, it's the, it's the disrespect that boils my blood. It's like they're in it for themselves. To love, honor, and obey. They get all their wants and leave you with fumes. Where's the thanks? I mean, sure, yeah, I ain't worked in a while, but where's the support, huh? No support. Is nothing sacred? Sanctity, right out the window. I hit her because I know what's best for her, but does she listen? No. They never do. She's unyielding, that one. Seems to me, friend, uh, you need a bigger switch. I'm not gonna be made a sap. <laughs> Looks like your bark's beginning to splinter. <laughs> Yeah, take me for a boob, will ya? Atta boy! Show the little lady who wears the slacks in the house. Who's the guy she uh, carries on with, anyway? I don't know. But I'll tell you this. As of today, my eyes are open. And finally it came. 
the Friday evening premiere of Through the Fingers of Glory, which played host to a sea of stars and a battlefield of reporters. Traffic lanes were jammed and spotlights flooded the sky. The theater was packed with clamoring people waiting for the newest masterpiece. After the screening, an elated Mr. Ellington and Mrs. Fairfield checked in to an extravagant Spanish colonial hotel in the hills known simply as the Taft, chosen for its isolation and discreet personnel. Ah, I can't wait to get out of these heels. Go ahead, kick them off. I'll carry you. I'm sure that won't bring any unwanted attention. You're right. You better carry me. I'm in sales, mainly. That keeps me coming and going. You know, if you catch what I'm selling. (laughs) Well, bust my buttons. If it isn't the Lady Fairfield and her paramour. Excuse me a second, would you please, Chickadee? (laughs) You were sensational in that cockpit. (laughs) Oh, what a dreadful day of shooting. Oh, well, I'm terribly sorry, sport. That's quite all right. Oh, you dropped your room key. Here, let me get that. Ah, 608. You know, I spent a warm evening on the six few months back with a stewardess. Thank you. It was my pleasure. Roy Fairfield, Klondike uh, 56767. Evening, Roy. Hope I didn't catch you at a bad time. I thought you might be interested to know that your wife just checked into a hotel and she wasn't alone. That's right. The Taft? You need the address? Good. They're in room 608. I'd hurry if I were you, friend. They seem to be quite cozy with one another. Oh, and Roy? Be sure to use a big enough switch this time. Moments later, Mr. Fairfield grabbed his M1 carbine rifle and drove his car up the hill to the Taft, where he made his way up to room 608. (laughs) (laughs) And here's to the... A 1 a.m. toast? That's right. <laughs> that makes your fifth one this evening. <laughs> Here's to the success of Through the Fingers of Glory. And to Fleming Myers Studios. Why not? They paid enough for it. <laughs> and to the lasting career of its lustrous leading lady. May her high-flying, wing-walking ways soar her to new heights, including, but not limited to, the stars. And to my favorite ace pilot, on set and off. And most importantly, to us. To us. Ah, that must be the reserve. Cavalry to the rescue. 
More champagne? Our celebration, my dear, swings until dawn. And well after. Say, pal, where's the bubbly? Roy? No, 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 wait, listen! Listen, I know I didn't do right by you. I should have told you. You have every right. Curtis Ellington was shot in the face and killed instantly. Deborah Fairfield was struck in the left shoulder, causing her to roll off the bed and into the lamp. Police said that the third round from Mr. Fairfield's rifle was fired at his wife execution style, passing through her right hand before entering her skull. When police stormed the quiet bungalow of Mr. and Mrs. Roy Fairfield, they found Mr. Fairfield sitting in his breakfast nook, peppered in blood, with a bowl of cereal and enjoying a broadcast of Spaceman Jack. Room 219, the answer to the question, what happens when a thermometer reaches its boiling point? In a room of strewn out mannequins and knocked over lamps fastened firmly to the floor, which cast a shadow of Mrs. Fairfield's slumped over body on the wall, guests can celebrate a recent achievement in grand and spine-chilling fashion. And with a window that bears a large bullet hole, visitors of this blood-soaked room can enjoy the evening's fresh air. A welcome relief from the gunpowder incense. Worn out lovers, rest easy. This is the swan. I'll be shedding tears for a hundred years, so I need no help from you. Dark clouds, let me have the sun because I'm blue. Tales from the Swan Hotel is written and directed by Thaddeus Ellenberg and produced by Will Scovel. Tonight's episode starred Emily Sims as Deborah Fairfield, Paul Jennings as Curtis Ellington, Joe Tobin as Carl Jennings, Thaddeus Ellenberg as Roy Fairfield, and I'm Ron Chapman. Original theme by Nick Stargue, artwork by Justin Devine. Tales from the Swan Hotel is independently produced by Will Scovel and Thaddeus Ellenberg. You can find more episodes and help the show by rating and reviewing us on iTunes and Stitcher, or leaving a comment on SoundCloud. <laughs>